Welcome to A Cup and a Conversation. This is a podcast with the focus of being the city of Brunswick, our businesses, our people, our community. And today I'm being joined by Dave Tenney, founder of First Star Precision Corporation, which is a very precision CNC operation. How are you doing today, Dave? I'm doing wonderful, Grant. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, and it's, uh, thanks very much for joining us today. We're going to talk about uh, all kinds of things, your business and how you got started and a little bit of your background and just some fun, fun areas today. So, uh, well, tell us about First Star. What, what, what do you guys do? Uh, First Star Precision is a precision CNC machine shop. We manufacture um, uh, d- very precision components for uh, the automotive industry, uh, medical industry, uh, food processing industry. We have multiple customers, domestic customers around the country. Um, and we focus ourselves on uh, the more challenging components. Uh, the more difficult it is, the better it fits us. Okay. And, and so backing up a little bit, so some people aren't going to know what a CNC is. What's a CNC? Uh, it's a, CNC stands for Computer Numerical Control. Okay. Uh, it's a program uh, a computer that functions the machine. We tell the machine by special code. Uh, what uh, the machine needs to do to complete the, the task, the operation, and the machine does that. Okay, so so just because I've been in your shop many times, you've got, you get different types of material in. Uh, we machine uh, all types of ferrous, non-ferrous, alloys, uh, carbons, um, plastics, uh, many different kinds of plastic materials. So you Super so alloys. you get something in like a like a block of metal or a rod of metal or or an angle, and you um, you then put it in the machine and you program this machine, the CNC machine, and it it does what then? Uh, it's going to tra- it's going to transform your raw materials into uh, the designed uh, the customer supplied uh, drawing, a shape. It'll turn it into a specific component that is used in, say, an assembly or an air tool. Interesting. Um, and how many, how many folks do you have doing this? Currently, we're at 40 employees. 40 employees. Wow, that's phenomenal. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's been quite a, quite a jump since we moved to Brunswick. It's been about four and a half years now that we've been in the, the industrial park. Uh, when we moved there, we were at 25, and we're now at 40. That's phenomenal growth. Thank you. Thank you for being here. It has The city has uh, done very well to help support that. That's great. Uh, we've had, a, a, like I said, four and a half years. It's been a, a steady growth even through COVID. That's, that's tremendous. Now, some of the things that uh, you have found over the time is that, uh, first of all, the city of Brunswick is, is very pro-business, and we support our businesses as much as we can. So tell, tell us, what's one of the few things that you, when you moved here from another county, uh, and, and you've lived here in Brunswick for a long time, um, what's one of the things you found that was so different or so interesting that you didn't experience elsewhere? The, the thing that caught me, uh, that surprised me the most when we first moved here was the actual cost to operate a business in Brunswick. Uh, we doubled the size of a facility moving from Parma or Cuyahoga County. And a lot of our costs, be it you know, electricity, utilities, things like that, were less than half. Um, and a lot of that, I think, had to do with the taxes that burdened Cuyahoga County. Sure. Um, 
we don't have to have uh, you know a high-end security system um, uh, as we did in Parma. You know, it's it kind of goes from being in downtown city to um, you know where you can leave your door unlocked uh, type of atmosphere. Um, and the employees, the same thing. Them working out of Brunswick uh, has been a very positive thing. We, we lost no employees when we moved, uh, and it definitely, because of the location of Brunswick, uh, it gives us a much broader um, area that we can pull employees into. Oh, that's great. So now are you running one full shift, two full shifts, uh, kind of a ghost shift in between? Uh, we, we kind of run a split shift where we have some people starting earlier, okay. uh, as early as four o'clock in the morning. Wow. Uh, and then we have people that are staying as late as five o'clock. So it's, uh, it's an extended shift. That's very cool. Well, you mentioned some of the things that you, you supply into, like medical and, and um, uh, automotive. Uh, are you able to share with us where some of those pieces go in, in those fields? One of the ones that I'm probably most proud of is uh, we supply the majority of the components uh, through a company for a, a device used to treat depression. Oh. Uh, the, the piece of equipment is called Neurostar. Um, looks just like a dentist chair. And really what they're doing is they're putting magnetic pulses into your brain to treat for depression. Rather than, Interesting. Rather than chemicals, pills, uh, things like that. And I personally experienced a testimonial uh, from an individual that first used this prior to it being approved and covered by insurance. So it cost him a lot of money. He said it saved his life. Interesting. Uh, so that one is something that, I, that we're very proud of. Uh, and again, it's, uh, you, you know, if you wanted to research that, it's called Neurostar. It's now completely FDA approved. It's uh, covered by most insurances. Uh, and if you're dealing with something like anxiety or depression, it's definitely worth looking at. Well, that brings up a good point, Dave. The businesses in our industrial park or business in general, we may end up using this product or these products in different ways out in the community and not even know where they start from. Correct. And, and your business is a prime example of that. You're, you're kind of first on the food chain or maybe even second because you get the raw material in and you turn it into something or a component of something. And then it ends up maybe through a couple other processes with other businesses or companies. And eventually it's being used to make something else or it's being used as a final product that we use every day and we may not know that. How does somebody, how does somebody get to you to, to do those things? Well, I can tell you that we work closely with the Medina County Career Center. Um, with the, uh, they have a machine trades course there. It's a general machine trades course that uh, uh, we've hired employees uh, uh, right out of high school. Oh, terrific. Um, and uh, they can contact us, and you know, whether they have experience or not, they can contact us either through a website. There's an employment section on our website. Um, and, you know, we're located at 2867 Nationwide Parkway. That's um, great. And we have uh, a lot of Brunswick community people that live in Brunswick that work with us. Oh, that's that great. for us. So now when a business wants to find you um, because they've got this idea, they've got a crazy idea to do something. Um, and obviously you've got a website. 
But but what's a typical business looking for you? Is there a typical business looking for for the precision that you, you that you're able to do? Uh, there's a an unlimited number of businesses that are looking for our quality of uh, performance and work capabilities. Okay. Um, and they they find us through either through the website or you know there's several search uh, search options. Uh, ThomasNet, uh, LinkedIn is is really been active for us. Okay. Um, and if they're looking for you know the one thing we don't do is we don't have our own design. Uh, we work off customer designs. Okay. Um, so as long as they can supply us some kind of a, a specification of what they're looking for, a drawing, a blueprint, a solid model, um, uh, we can take it from there and whatever is required. Interesting. Uh, Interesting. Uh, another thing that I think First Star stands out from a lot of our competitors is we're a one-stop shop. Uh, no matter what those requirements are, we'll, we'll fulfill them. Uh, and we'll supply our customers with a finished product, whatever level they want that to. Interesting. Now, when when you get that when you get that raw material in, and you're going to make a a piece or part or a component of it um, in one of your CNC machines, we've heard about CNC with regards to access. What what does that mean? The the access uh, when something's turning, Dave. Well, there's multiple accesses that we deal with. We have turning machines. Um, that would be a two-axis operation. So you have a length of a part, you have a diameter. Uh, those are your two different axes. Then you can throw a third axis in, which is a C-axis, which controls the actual spindle that's turning the material. Okay. And then we have machines that go all the way up to six axis. Uh, so we can turn parts, mill parts, uh, machine angles, and uh, what's considered profiling. So you have multiple axes working together to complete uh, very odd-shaped parts, parts that require a certain uh, unusual shape. Okay. Um, that's not the normal uh, that, we, that we deal with. We have lots of t- parts that get turned and other ones that get milled. But uh, we do have that capability to go all the way up to six axes. Okay. So, so jumping around a little bit, um, but let me finish the thought on this area. How large of a piece can you make? How, how do you do it by weight? Do you do it by diameter? Do you, how, how does that work? And, it, it, that's a great question. And, and weight's never a concern because we, we have assisted uh, lifting capabilities. Um, but we, we do orient ourselves towards smaller work. Um, the largest we can go is about 16 inches in diameter, but we're really the this for us anything six inches in, in anything above six inches is where it doesn't we're not as um, uh, as competitive with companies that have larger machines. Okay, uh, so our machines are meant for more technical work. Is correct. that is that what I'm hearing? Uh, more precision work. Um, uh, the larger the, the machine is, the less capable it's going to be able to hold tight tolerances. Okay. Um, and you hold very tight tolerances. The way I've always explained this is a piece of hair is about three thousandths in diameter. We can hold tolerances one thirtieth of that. Wow. Um, so we can hold tolerances of plus or minus t- uh, ten millionths. It's, it's, it's almost harder to uh, gauge or confirm the tolerancing than it is to actually hold it and machine it. Interesting, interesting. Well, let's back up now. Uh, I know I'm jumping around here, but but you've got you've brought some interesting thoughts up uh, sure. from from this discussion. Oh, when did you start the business? Myself and my partner Jack Horseman started the business 
in March of 2000. Uh, so we're 23 years in now. Another company uh, that was actually in Hinkley at the time was closing uh, financial concerns and we kind of formed out of that. And my partner and I ran it until 2014 when he retired. Um, and then I ran it up till April of 2021 when I sold the, the assets, um, right. which I'm sure we'll get into. We will. Yeah. We will, because it's quite fascinating how that, how that came about. So, so the business has been around for 23 years, yeah. and you've seen growth. Obviously, you started with just you and your former partner, Jack. And what was your role, and what was Jack's role? Well, it, we both worked for the company prior Okay. Um, and I was I ran the shop. I was the production manager. He was a salesman. Okay. Um, uh, two pieces of the parts that that we needed to start. Uh, we knew we had a customer base because this other company was closing and they were scrambling trying to find somebody. Um, and uh, you know, we both had different capabilities, which we worked so well together because of that. Uh, he was the visionary. He's the one that thought about tomorrow, where I was always the one that was worried about and concerning myself with today. Um, so it was a great relationship. And uh, uh, Jack just turned 80 on the 15th. Uh, the, very much miss him. It's been uh, uh, nine years now that he's been gone. So he, so he helped with you. You both helped each other forming the vision and moving that business forward. Correct. And it was, truly was onward and upward every day for Jack, and you were doing that detail work of the operation every day. And he's the one that uh, that established the fact that we want to do the hardest stuff out there. Um, there's going to be less competition uh, and more customer loyalty that way, um, and, uh, and that's what we focused on. Interesting, interesting. And so... So through the years, uh, you obviously grew over time, and you eventually ended up in Parma, right? In in uh... we spent the longest amount of time in Parma. We were there for 16 years, um, and you had a you had a you had a building there and a plant, and, and that was you referred to it earlier. That was about 13,000 square feet, right? right? When we first moved in there, we moved in with I think nine machines. Okay, and how many employees approximately? Uh, I think around 12 oh, okay. at the time, 12, 13, and we had tons of space. Uh, as we continued to grow there, we continued to add more equipment, uh, and I believe when we, before we moved, we were up to 26 machines, so it got very tight and cramped in there, uh, but had great years in Parma. Good. You know, the city of Parma always treated us very well. Um, we had good engagement with them, uh, nothing like here in Brunswick. Um, but for a city that size, I thought we were uh, treated very well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, that's good to hear because from an economic side, you, you, want that, you want that working relationship with your local government and the businesses because businesses employ people, which pay them, which, you know, it's just that cycle. You make money, sure. you go out and spend money, and, and, and you live, right? And um, that's why in, in, in our process, in our thought process, Manufacturing and businesses uh, are, are really, in many ways, a large part of the heartbeat of a city, of a community. And we have focused very heavily on um, primarily privately owned 
uh, successful businesses that have grown. And I remember the day you walked into City Hall cold to to end up talking with me and and your your right hand person Diane. Diane Bocar. And we had a great conversation. And just by chance, there was a building available that fit your needs. It all worked out, and here you are today, and it's still growing. Uh, it's still growing. Uh, we went from uh, 12, uh, short of 13,000 square, square feet. Now we're at 27,000. And uh, probably something that you and I may be talking about after this podcast is um, what, you, what may be available. Excellent. Continued expansion. Excellent. So, so, so you know, focusing on, on you, um, you spent lots of time here in Brunswick, obviously, living and, and, and raising a family. And uh, then now raising a business, if you will. And then it reached a point, just like kids, that as they grow up, they eventually leave the nest. Uh, you came to the realization at one point in time that you need a succession plan. And Correct. that succession plan might not always include the children you raised. It might include a different avenue, which could be better for the family and could be better for the employees. And interestingly enough, you, through the work of your advisors, found an organization that uh, specializes in ESOPs. Correct. And what's an ESOP, Dave? Uh, ESOP stands for Employee Stock Ownership Program. Um, it really, the, the simplest way to explain it is the employees that work within the ESOP own the company. Every decision they make will affect uh, the success or failure of a company, and they're rewarded accordingly. That's great. It's almost like your house, right? You're in your house, and when you leave a room, you want to turn that light off because it's costing you money at home. And so now you're part of a business, and you have a piece of that business. Every employee does. And so when somebody leaves that room, you want to be conscientious enough to say, we can turn that light off because in the end, it's going to come into my pocket, hopefully. Yeah, I can tell you that... um uh, ESOP's been around for, uh, I, I believe, 40-plus years. Um, uh, I was first exposed to ESOP in 1999. Uh, my wife actually was the Ohio ESOP Employee of the Year for the company that she worked for. Wow. Uh, so I had a lot of exposure. When we first started First Start, it was always my intention to convert to an ESOP. Um, unfortunately, the way the ESOP was structured, uh, uh, was regulated, uh, at the time, I couldn't financially support it, um, which uh, when, we, when I did decide in, in going back to the succession planning, I was told that from day one from any professional I talked to, have an exit strategy. And I did wait for my kids to get into that high school range uh, to just watch them to see what their interests were. Um, neither, neither shown uh, a lot of interest in the business, um, so that's when I decided that I needed to find, uh, you know, a, a, a good exit strategy that protected my employees, first and foremost, protected my customers, and that I felt that I could walk away from eventually and feel good that their, you know, the company itself had the legacy and the, the success to succeed. Excellent. And, and so the, the organization you found, uh, they, they essentially are... Um, an ESOP holding company. Correct. 
and, which is interesting. So, so they're a company in, in business today. There are a lot of businesses out there that uh, they're kind of a holding management company where they own different businesses. And then they operate as the umbrella over them, but they still operate these businesses with employees and such. In this particular case, it's an ESOP. And as an ESOP, the employees in the different businesses that this holding company owns are owners at the same time. That is correct. Uh, and it's a little unique. There, you know, uh, Empowered Ventures is not the only organization that is structured that way. There are other ones, but it's fairly unique. Um, so the ESOP company, the ESOP itself actually owns everything. Um, and then under the ESOP is the holding company, Empowered Ventures, that's responsible for the ESOP and managing it. And they now have three uh, subdivisions, three companies. First Star was the first company that they purchased in April of 2021. Uh, TBF actually is what the ESOP was formed out of. It's a textile company. Uh, and then in uh, December of 2021, they purchased a foam injection mold company. Uh, so they want to be diversified. They want to have a variety of different industries. Um, and they have a very strong criteria that, you know, they're looking for that consistent growth. All right. So so uh, being an ESOP is, is rather interesting. How, how have the employees received it? How did they receive it at first? Did they understand it? And how do they, how do they think of it now? Well, uh, be honest. At first, uh, when when I brought up the fact that I was selling the business, um, there's a lot of horror stories out there uh, with investment groups. Um, so I had to overcome that hurdle first, um, and then I had to, we we really put a lot of time and effort into educating them about ESOP. There's a great organization here in Ohio. It's one of the best in the country, OEOC. and they have been a tremendous help in getting us getting our employees educated. To answer your question, the the more tenured employees and really was cautious. Um, you know, they wanted to they were concerned. They needed they need to see something tangible. Uh, you know, you can give them a lot of explanation, a lot of words. They needed to see the tangibility to it, uh, which they did a year and a half later uh, when they received their first ESOP uh, in, uh, investment. So each year. Uh, the companies uh, collectively will do a audit. Uh, the ESOP will do an audit, um, and then it goes to an uh, independent audit company to evaluate the value of each individual company. And then the employees are issued shares based on their annual income. So the more income they make, the more shares they get. And then each year, the shares are reevaluated for what their value is. I see. They target about a 10 to 15% year-over-year increase. Wow. Which is, compared to the stock market, it's a little more aggressive. Uh, Over the last two years, it's actually been 35%. Um, So once the employees last July seen their first uh, installment statement, things changed quite a bit. So they were excited then? Yeah. And Uh, wanted to work more? I can tell you that I always felt like I had an ESOP culture. Um, that we all work together to succeed the business. But I, I, I see it every day now. I see people making decisions to uh, just do that much more. To, and, and none of our employees are, are overworked. Um, we just, it's not what we do. We want them to be comfortable, do a good job uh, every day, all day long. 
In fact, you invested when you when you acquired this building, you invested heavily in the mechanicals of the building so that it would be a comfortable environment in which to work. Uh, pr- probably the two things that the employees that really benefited the employees the most is one we epoxy painted the floor, which just gives you a, a, a nicer environment to work in. Because um, it's then, a very clean facility. That's that's part necessity and part just the way we operate. Yes. Um, and then we added the LED lighting, uh, which really you know changed the entire environment. Uh, it's a bright, clean. Um, environment, and that's why I, you know, over the years we've made such an effort to bring in people from the high school, kids from the high school, kids from the career center, with their parents, so they can see that machining isn't this dark dungeon environment anymore. It's high tech. Uh, it's very high tech, very clean, and uh, it's and it's climate controlled. It is climate controlled. We have to be just because of the tolerances we hold. Right. Um, and a lot of people don't know that. So you're, you're not sitting at a machine sweating. You are you're at a machine. You are very much of a professional at that piece of equipment. And you are in a climate-controlled environment because you have to control the camber and the other areas within that material so that it holds tight tolerances. And so you're comfortable doing your work. And the material is comfortable being being CNC'd, I guess that we can use that term. Sure, machined. Machined so that it, it comes out to that precise uh, requirement that you hold. Correct. We, have, we, we attempt to maintain a 69 to 71 degree environment. Each machine uh, requires uh, some kind of a liquid to keep the, uh, the tooling cool because uh, it does generate a lot of heat. Uh, we use water-soluble coolants, which is much better for the environment. And uh, maintaining that coolant temperature is, is really the most critical part. That's very cool. So your employees are owners now? Every, anyone that was an employee uh, on the transition day became fully, inv- fully vested wow. in the ESOP. Uh, everyone else, uh, there's a four-year process. So they can become vested in four years. They're vested day one. But their full value becomes uh, fully vested four years. That's that's a tremendous turnaround. It is. So after four years, they, they are fully vested. And so they have an absolute need and desire to succeed within the organization and have the organization itself succeed. Every decision they make can change the value of the stock each year. Uh, is like you said, every little decision, like turning the light on and off, uh, can make a difference. And if you add up all those little differences that we're not, you know, nobody's asking you to to work harder than you're capable. Just those little differences will add up over time. Over the so what you've done is you've now got 40 employees that are problem solvers and creators. That's that's a pretty good feeling, They're, Dave. They're completely invested in the entire operation. They're not only policing themselves and the people within their area, they're policing the entire company. And we do it in a manner that's, that's fun, um, that's challenging. And, uh, you know, our employees do a really difficult job every single day. And the more comfortable of an environment we can give them, uh, we're very conscious of that. Yeah, and you've got some really key employees. I, I mentioned Diane earlier. 
Diane's been been with you from almost day the day one. Yeah, uh, she was originally brought on to get our accounting system up. Uh, she wasn't planning on staying, and she was only going to be part time. Um, and she has been there every day with me. Uh, and she's a tremendous asset. She. Other than Jack West, who is the vice president, uh, other than Jack, she knows more about that business than anyone. And, and Jack, we should mention Jack because he, he's a master at what he does. He is a true manufacturing engineer. Yes, yes. Uh, he can look at a piece of machinery or a job and, and pretty much know how to lay this out from the beginning. The best way I explain Jack is that he sees things. You can look at a blueprint, uh, a design from a customer, and it's two-dimensional. He can look at that blueprint and see it three-dimensionally. So, yeah, he is rotating that in his head. He's looking at all the things that has to be done to it. Um, and he has, uh, has a unique way of creating. I, I could give you so many examples of well, there's just no way of doing that. In him finding a way of getting it done. That's that's great. So I do want to mention um, that on your website, it tells a story about uh, uh, creating a part for space exploration. You were you were doing doing something for NASA. Yep. And um, uh, which is very cool. So if people are interested in that, they can go on and, and read that. But they they found you and they chose you because of your exacting tolerances. Correct. That was critical. Uh, it's NASA. Uh, That's right. And the, some of the things that they come up you with. You can't fail. <laughs> um, As they say, failure is not an option here. If you if you do the research, you'd be surprised the amount of technology or innovation that's come from NASA oh, over absolutely. the years. Absolutely. Um, they, they are in the forefront uh, of, you know, pliable metals. Um, some of the things that we've done for them is very interesting. Yes, absolutely. And, and you the other area is medical. I mean, some of the pieces, parts you supply to medical are used every day for life-saving applications. And to think that it starts in a machine shop and ends up helping people live a productive life after perhaps an accident they're in, they're in or some other um, area that doctors and I don't want to go into graphic detail, and I don't want to share uh, customer information, but it, it is, it, it's quite fascinating what, what some of the things you do. One of the other companies uh, that we work with was developed out of another customer, uh, and they have, provide, or they have developed a medical device to support the burn medical industry. Um, so their device uh, harvests skin. And again, we don't want to get too graphic, right. but there is a great demand for for heart, for skin, which is an organ, uh, for burn victims. And they have revolutionized the entire industry over the last 10 years. They're able to harvest 40% more skin from, from a donor than any other device on the market. And yeah, it, it, it's... And it's life-changing. I mean, it is, it is truly life-changing uh, from a personal side of things. Uh, uh, during my days in, in college, uh, one of my friends, unfortunately, had been in a terrible car accident, and they had to do a skin graft, and they took it from his buttocks and put it on his leg, and um, he, frankly, he was lucky to be alive, but you could see it, and, and he was always self-conscious about it, and then when I met you and learned about this device, you could see the vast improvement 
of how this graph works. And truly, it, it is life-changing in, in a better way. So people feel more comfortable after, after the procedures. Yeah, most likely your friend, the device they used was a pressure-based device. So you had to apply pressure to, to actually start the cut. Whereas the device that uh, our customers developed uh, is a, it's a circular blade. Uh, and it requires no pressure, so you're able to maintain good, good thickness, good quality, uh, and again, achieve that much more from a donor. Yeah. Uh, you know, and I believe, uh, I assume the majority of us are, are organ donors um, on, our, on our driver's license, and skin, skin is one of those organs. Yeah, and it's, it really is a valuable tool. And thank you for sharing about that, because that, that, that just goes to show one other thing that industry does that solves problems that most, most of the time we're not thinking about unless we're in that world or in that space. And when you are in a, a relatively small, close-knit company, you find some of the most unique things that are produced and made that change people's lives, truly. Um, and, and it's fascinating to hear that, so thank you. Um, so, so looking at the business overall, you're now at 40 employees. You've grown. You're continuing to grow. You're seeing you're seeing a, a stable marketplace in the sense that you are a niche, very precise business, and you've got employees now who are owners. Where do we go from here? Sky's the limit. Uh, when I sold the the assets to Empowered Ventures, I said, "Look, uh, there's a lot of manufacturing in Northeast Ohio." Um, but it's very fragmented. You have the opportunity, and, and to back up a second, I knew First Star was at a point where I didn't have the, um, the where to all and the willingness to continue to risk all my investment to grow it to the next step. Uh, so that's why I wanted to find somebody that had that financial support and that vision to take it to the next step. Uh, and when I, you know, when we uh, started working with Empowered Ventures, I said, consolidate the whole thing. You know, if you can, if you can take a project from start to finish and you control everything, you can do it more cost effective. You can do it more timely. Um, uh, so the sky's really the limit from that point. Very good. Very good. So this is the part of the segment that we go into some other questions that sure. that uh, really are about you. Um, you know, and one of those important things is, um, what's your favorite donut? Glaze. Glaze. And do you have but a favorite not donut? not Krispy Kreme. But not Krispy Kreme. Do you have a favorite do donut store? Of course. The donut Land. Donut Land. <laughs> here in Brunswick, Ohio. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's, uh, every time we have visitors come in from out of state, uh, we always get Donut Land donuts, and they are thrilled. They, they are thrilled. And... and and it, it, having Donut Land here is a blessing and a curse all at the same time because they're open 24-7. And, and when you have that craving, you can go, go pick them up. Yeah, they're sure they aren't diet donuts, but man, they are good. Well, they have a hole in the middle, so they've got to be <laughs> diet donuts. <laughs> so what, what uh, do you like pizza? I love pizza. What, what, what's your favorite pizza, favorite type of pizza? Uh Everything. Everything. Short of anchovies, whatever you put on it, I'm going to eat it. Fantastic. And do you have a favorite pizza place? Um, no. I, there's, I, 
I can go just about anywhere. You're willing to try anything. Yeah. Uh, something to mention is uh, First Star Precision for at least the last 10 years has had a, what we call Pizza Friday. Hmm. So uh, every third Friday of the month, uh, we order in pizza for all the employees. Uh, we take a half an hour, we sit down, we talk, and build relationships. Uh, it's a very small investment for the company. Uh, but the employees, it's one of the things they talk the most about. They look forward to it. Uh, without a doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and we vote on which pizza place we're going to go to the next month. Uh, it's, uh, it's part of the culture. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so if you could go back to your 18-year-old self, uh, at the time, I think you were in the military. I was. Yes. And so thank you for that service. Um, if you could go back... To your 18-year-old self, what kind of advice would you give yourself? That's a tough question. Have more confidence. Have more Believe confidence. in yourself. Excellent. Um, uh, that's probably the one thing that has held me back over whether it was my military career or prior to First Star is just not having confidence to, to be the person that I was capable of being. You know, the, one of the things that interests me in this world is that in school we teach success. We teach about how you work hard and you, you become successful. We don't teach that you learn from failure. And there are a lot of people in this world, when you're young, who are worried that they might fail a test or they might fail at trying something. But how do you get better at something if you don't try? I failed a lot along my way. That's sure. right. That's right. And it taught you a lot of things. It taught you enough to take that risk with your partner, Jack, to start First Star Precision. Sure. Which is really critical because a lot of people, they might have the drive and, and the wanting to do something, but to be willing to take that chance because so many businesses fail constantly. But if you don't keep trying, how do you know you're not going to succeed? My partner talked me into doing this um, as I was much younger than he was. I had other opportunities you know, in front of me. Uh, and he said that we could do this, uh, and I believed in him. And uh, I knew I was a hard worker. Uh, I knew the, you know, that I could do the engineering, uh, that run the business, uh, the operational side. So, give it a shot. Absolutely. Um, I was young enough that if it didn't work, uh, you know, I could move on to a different career. Um, but we both worked really hard, and we made it work. And you worked really hard. We both did. Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the other thing that young folks might not understand. They see the success, but they don't always see the, the hard work that goes into it, that really people that are most successful, that have driven success in their lives, are the people that work a lot and work smart. I'm not the smartest person, uh, so it was always my extra effort that took me, that, that pushed me forward, and I've always never been afraid to ask a question. If there's something I don't know, I'll ask the professional, I'll ask the expert. Isn't that interesting? Because when you're in a crowd, when you're in a group, and somebody says to you, let's say you're at a seminar or some, someplace where you're hopefully learning something new, and, or, or you're volunteering your time, and somebody is giving a presentation, and the, the person giving the presentation says, does everybody understand? Does anybody have any questions? And nobody raises their hands. Mine's the first hand up. You have to do that, don't you? I'm the first hand up. And, and you do that because I guarantee you there's 10 other people in that same room that has a question similar to yours. 
It's like, eh, I don't really. But it, it really, it adds value to the whole discussion. It adds value to everything that everybody else is listening to. I, I've worked for other people in my past, and the, it seemed like they, they started life knowing everything, whether they were afraid to ask a question or just didn't think they had to. Uh, I've seen where that obstacle was constantly in their way, uh, whereas I, I, I loved asking the questions. I wanted to learn more. I couldn't become a metallurgist. I, could, I couldn't spend the time to become a full metallurgist, but I could ask the experts, the metallurgists, the questions that I needed answers to, and I developed enough knowledge that uh, I was able to you know, process parts through that process of heat treating and it successfully. That's great. That's great. So, Dave, let's say you're standing in line, some arbitrary line, waiting to waiting for your turn to, to get to where you're going, and you start you strike up a conversation with the person next to you. You don't know them; they don't know you. What's that one question you have for that stranger in your conversation? That I would say I'm not the one that's going to start the conversation usually, but if I did, it would be you know, what do you do? Uh, what's your what what's your love? What's your passion? That's a great great statement. Great statement. So, did you have any influential people in your life when you were when you were growing up? Uh, most definitely, my parents. Um, both very undereducated. Uh, both came from very difficult uh, lives. Um, and uh, myself and my siblings, uh, they taught us hard work. Uh, they taught us uh, truth. As long as you don't lie, cheat, or steal, um, everything else will fall in place. Um, and uh, between that and the hard work, uh, my parents by far have influenced me more than anyone. That's great. That is fantastic. So do you have any additional goals for yourself? Uh, from, from here, uh, yes. I still have two young uh, adults um, that uh, that I'm trying to you know help them get out on their own and develop their careers. Um, I've been married to my wife uh, Lonnie for 29 years in September, and that Fantastic. is my ultimate goal. Is I have spent the last 23 three years uh, where my job always came first. So helping my kids move into their next uh, where their life is going to go, and then spending the rest of it with my wife. Uh, Good for you. That's that has always been my vision is my wife and I together, um, doing what we we love to do together. And know and knowing your wife, I can honestly say that is that is a good objective and goal. That really is. Twenty nine years in, and I'm still getting goosebumps when I talk about her. That's wonderful, Dave. Is there anything else you you want to share with us today? As we as we. Uh... Yeah, that, you know, something I would add is that, you know, I lived, I lived in Brunswick for 24 years. My kids were born in Brunswick. Um, they went through the elementary, the middle school, the high school uh, here in, the, in, in Brunswick. Both very good kids, which I give a lot of credit to my wife. Uh, she was because uh, she did most of the raising. But I also give the credit to the city, the school systems, the, the, the educators, uh, my kids all both have multiple educators uh, through their uh, through their education here in Brunswick that they uh, they associate even with not um, that they when they see them um, they have a conversation uh, so these teachers really uh, made the investment into the kids um, 
I think there's a lot of pride here in Brunswick, and, and people really uh, take it to heart, and they, and they see the future, and uh, we're a growing community, we're an accessible community, and people want to be engaged in this community, and you're, you, you are absolutely the example of that. It's a great place to live. Uh, you know, you're 30 minutes away from major sporting events, major theaters, um, you know, cultural environments that, you know, most people don't get an opportunity to see. Um, the location is perfect. It's, it's a small town environment um, in a big city area. So wonderful, wonderful. Well, this has been a moment in time for a cup and a conversation. Until next time, enjoy yours.